So wasn't wonderful. Her, her and her family, Retro Metro, are happy. Are they actually there? They had dinner. Yes. I chatted with them as they um, before I left because they were sitting down. The kids, they're out of the sports, and so they were like, "Yeah, we get to actually on a Friday night go out." So it's I always, know it it's was always great really to see Will. To see them. Also, yes, it was. Um, you know, Emily Johnson, uh, House Theory Realty, and Will, of course, he does a lot of the, the larger land pieces of, of stuff for House Theory Realty. So the combination of the two of them, it's absolutely perfect. But she's just a fantastic person, great partner of the station. And, um, you know, she makes herself available as often as possible. It's what she does. Uh, so if you are ever looking to sell your home or you just have questions about it, I mean, she more than anyone understands the uncertainty of the times um, when it comes to people waiting and the inventory issues that are occurring. And, you know, you think to yourself, well, man, you know, right now it's a great time to sell, but then I'm going to have to buy. What does that mean? Chat with her about it. Let her counsel you on these things. And, and um, she's going to get from you as much information as possible and formulate that into some thoughts and ideas for you to think about. And you just can't have a better asset in your corner when it comes to all things real estate. Emily Johnson, House Theory Realty. Group of teachers who want to ban to kill a mockingbird from school curriculum say the book centers on whiteness. This is the problem. And uh, where is this school? This is... Um, School District, Washington State, who have asked to remove Harper Lee's novel To Kill a Mockingbird, a.k.a. ban it, because it centers on whiteness. And as we know, white people are bad. I bring this up because this shines light on the lie that conservatives are book banners while people on the left are all about learning and against book burning and against book banning. The situation is this. In schools and in any library, there is a finite amount of room so decisions get made. What books do we carry versus what books we do not carry? When there are discussions from parents who do not want beyond their control their child to have access to pornographic materials, they show up at school board meetings, they speak out, they try oftentimes to actually read from the books and get shut down. Now, it's not banning the books, it's not banning the materials, it's simply saying, as a parent, I do not want my child to be given access to these things. You want your child to read pornography? I'm not going to tell you not to do that, but do it in your home. Don't lay it out for my children. 
you know, I've, I've often thought, you know, as a parent, if you have children over to your home, friends of your own child, and maybe they're going to watch a movie. And perhaps it's a movie that uh, maybe the kids are, I don't know, 12, 13 or so, and it's a PG-13 movie. A lot of parents just instinctively will, will steer away from a movie like that because they don't know whether they're, these other kids, their parents may not want their child as an 11 or a 12-year-old watching a PG-13 movie. may not be appropriate. Or you're going to take them to see a movie, and you check with the parents, say, hey, we're thinking about this movie. Is that okay with you? Because you don't want to take someone else's children and expose them to something that you may be fine with your child being exposed to, but you're not the parent of these other kids. That's their decision to make. It's the same approach when it comes to pornography in children's libraries. It's upside down in terms of the way that they present it, because what the ones who want the pornography in there, they're like, I don't think any one parent should decide what my kid sees. No, you're the one doing that. Parents who don't want pornography in the libraries, they're not telling you, you can't give that to your kids. They're just saying, we don't want it where all the kids have the ability to see it. This story about lefties pushing to ban to kill a mockingbird from children's libraries because it focuses too much on whiteness is the exact same approach that is taken by some parents that don't want pornography to be in schools, but it's different morals, different priorities. Where some parents, crazy right-wingers and Christians, do not want pornography to be easily accessible to their children. People on the left don't want literature to be available that they think makes white people look good or focuses too much on white people. Their priorities are different. One may say which is right, which is wrong. If you are having that discussion with people who have no morals, but they make up their own and they live in a world in which we should pit people against one another, particularly children because of skin color and so forth, you're going to have a much different perspective than if you are somebody that is a Christian with traditional values. You're going to have very different perspectives. And this is where the local community makes the decision regarding school boards. School boards direct these things, or at least they're supposed to. But the myth, and, and it's perpetrated, the lie, it's not a myth, it's disinformation that gets perpetrated by, we've seen it right here, outfits like the, the news leader, that portray the issue of what books belong in school libraries as only relevant because right-wingers are always trying to ban books that, they, that uh, outlets like the news leader falsely classify as simply being about LGBTQ issues. So it's to try to make those parents... You know, it's, again, it, it's, it's disinformation to make them appear as if they're just homophobes when it doesn't have anything to do with that. The issue of determining what books do belong in a library accessible to students. It is not an issue 
that is isolated to one side or the other. It's just a matter of difference in opinion as to which is appropriate. Generally speaking, those on the right don't want pornography in schools. Generally speaking, those on the left who are pushing to remove books from, it's the classics, like To Kill a Mockingbird. And I would argue they know that they're out of line with the mainstream, which is why they constantly put out disinformation regarding what the actual substance is. Springfield's Talk 1041, latest news update. From Cutter 10 and Fox 49, I'm Jesse Inman. Veterans from all over the country are reuniting in Branson for Veterans Homecoming Week. This is an annual event to honor and remember the men and women who have served our country. The opening ceremonies were held last night at the Americana Theater. To kick off a full week of events, organizers say that just one day for veterans is just not enough. Today, there will be a Vietnam Veterans Reunion, and the Clay Cooper Theater is hosting a veterans show. Garth Brooks will be in Springfield today. He'll be at Bass Pro to promote his new CD box set being sold there exclusively, and it'll feature his album, Time Traveler. Brooks will be joined by CEO of Bass Pro, Johnny Morris. They'll be answering questions from fans submitted on social media. That'll be at 9 a.m. this morning, and the new box set will be released tomorrow. From Color 10 and Fox 49, I'm Jesse Inman. Well, I'm sure it's not at all going to be a busy day at Bass Pro. Yeah. <laughs> I'd steer clear of that area. Um, so I, I wasn't, I, I've read a few stories, and from what I understand, the information that's available is, I think around 9 o'clock, he's going to be at Bass Pro. Yeah, he's and that's doing, kind of it, right? Yeah, he's doing just like a quick appearance. I think he's promoting uh, like a new box set or something like that. Yeah. It. So here's why it seems interesting to me. Usually, when somebody that is as clearly high profile, and I mean Garth Brooks, we we all remember. Was it a year ago or so? The big concert yes. in which people traffic was backed up to. Sedalia. That was such on, a mess. <laughs> I mean, in 65, it was just People were getting insane, out of their cars, walking. Insane. Absolutely insane. It was just crazy. I mean, I, I wasn't in the mix of it, so it was more entertaining for me to watch. Um, but everyone who went, though, I mean, they're like, it was a great concert. Everyone that got in, I should say. Of course, you know, they complain about the price of beer and stuff, but that's pretty standard. High prices <laughs> for events like that. And so I, in my mind, and I think this is accurate, whenever there is somebody that's as high profile as that, there are generally um, more details like, oh, it's going to be from this time to this time, and here's where it's going to be, and certain people. I, it just seems, um, I don't, I, it's just not the norm to be like, oh, yeah, he's just going to be over there at nine o'clock. And that's pretty much all the details that are given. You know what I mean? Right. You're going to have people running around and they're going to have, I heard he's over here. No, I heard he's going to be over there. I don't know. Maybe it'll be obvious once you're there. I, I'm sure it, it's not as if they aren't aware of the popularity level. And it's not as if they're new to the game of promotions like this. I mean, these people generally know what they're doing. But um, I, yeah, I just wonder. If somebody is going to go over there, 
what the plan is. I suppose that's my question for people. I, I don't have any plans going over there. I think Garth Brooks, very, you know, I like him, talented. I'm not one that somebody would necessarily call a, a huge, huge fan. I like a lot of his songs. Standing Outside the Fire is one of my favorite. I, I just really genuinely love that song, uh, even outside of being Garth Brooks. But uh, it's probably one of my favorite songs of his. And um, But I just wonder for those who are going, what's the plan? <laughs> just the... Uh, I don't know. I have a feeling it's probably going to be a little bit more organized because right. they don't want to be like two for two with sure. bad events. Well, you, I mean, that intersection, anyhow, you think about the problems with right. Chick-fil-A yes. being there and the traffic that oftentimes <laughs> you're like, oh, by the way, that same intersection, like around breakfast time when Chick-fil-A already has a time, we're going to throw Garth Brooks into the mix across the street. <laughs> <laughs> I suspect that there's probably going to be just a little more traffic than normal. That should be all of our traffic reports this morning. Stay away from, you know, like a two mile radius of Bass Pro. I, unless, of course, you want to go and, and catch a glimpse and and uh, I guess buy a box set or whatever it is that they're doing. Um, yeah, that was kind of a crazy thing to see this morning. By the way, Garth Brooks is going to be at Bass Pro at nine o'clock. Was it nine o'clock? Uh, you know what? I honestly... Don't know. I was I'll just mostly shocked because they weren't like, hey, uh, he really needs the promotion. Um, can he come on the show and talk about it? It was very shocking. We didn't have that request. Clearly. So, <laughs> yeah. No, 9 a.m. All right. Very cool. Um, uh, coming up. At the Granddaddy store. I don't know. Uh, is that the one that's across from Bass Pro? No. No, it's in. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think. What's across from Bass Pro? What do you mean across? Like, uh, it's it shares the same parking lot. It's another like little Bass Pro. Maybe that's the outlet store. Is what I'm thinking. Mm. I don't know. I don't know where the Granddaddy store is, but yeah, that's where it'll I, be. Um, is it one of those near the? I, I don't know either. We're just gonna sit here and talk, and I'm sure many of you are texting in where it is within Bass Pro. But anyhow, uh, okay. So there's your Garth Brooks news. I'm sure that there'll be plenty of, of coverage. Color 10 Fox 49, I would encourage you. If you want to see any of that local coverage and, and get visuals of the chaos, that will be your your place to go. Mail on a woman's field hockey team puts opponent in the hospital. Uh, that story coming up next. I'm Nick Reed. After you drive by Bass Pro to see old Garth this morning. You can drive by the Woodvale Subdivision, Golden Weaver, Builder Incentives. This is an all building company um, uh, area over there. And you can drive through the neighborhood. Some of the homes are completed. Others are, are not. They're still in the phases. you got everything in between. And for those of you who are needing a new home but you don't want to remodel, this is for you. And they have the showroom floor. It doesn't necessarily mean that you allow them to pick out the styles. But they have a showroom floor. Conveniently, where everything, the the countertops and the fixtures, from lights to faucets to handles of, of the counters, they, they've all gotten them there. So you can make those decisions. Say, well, I want this, 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 this. That way, day one, you walk into your new home in the Woodvale subdivision, and it is exactly the way that you dreamt it. No remodeling necessary. That's all our building company, O-L-L-E-R. A female Massachusetts high school field hockey player sent to the hospital Thursday for significant facial and dental injuries during a state tournament game after a male, who identifies as a female, on the opposing team hit her in the face 
with a field hockey ball. In the video circulating social media, viewers can see the male player hit the ball, which launches up and hits the female opponent in the mouth. After the hit, the girl is heard screaming while her teammates look on with their hands laced over their mouths in total shock. The game was between the number 12 uh, Swamp Scott Big Blue and the number 21 Dighton Rehoboth Falcons. According to the Media Research Center, the male player in question is Sawyer Gruthis, who plays for Swampscott and is a Northeastern Conference All-Star in the Women's League, despite being a man or a boy. The Massachusetts Interscholastic Athletic Association handbook allows men to compete in women's sports and vice versa, though that never really tends to be the problem, does it? It's the women. You ever notice every one of these stories in which a woman where an individual gets injured, sometimes severely, or loses a scholarship, or loses a place on a team, or loses a medal. It's never a guy because of a girl who demands that she gets to compete against guys. It's always the women who are taking it. While speaking with the media, Dighton Rehoboth Superintendent Bill Rooney called for the MIAA to take a renewed approach to protecting student-athletes, but stopped short of saying men should be prohibited from competing in women's sports. <laughs> well, this is clearly... We need to figure out why this is a problem. Oh, it, 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 well, let's not do anything. As, as MAGA America, uh, American, like uh, having girls play on girls' teams and boys play on boys' teams. I mean, come on. What is this, 2020? 2016? Rather than highlight the, and this is how the media, listen to this. This is a, a, an overview of things from the Federalist, and it also covers the media's role in this. Rather than highlight the unnamed female player's injury, at least one local news outlet completely ignored the egregious nature of the man dominating Thursday's game. In its brief roundup of local sporting events, for example, Item Live ran with the headline, quote, Big Blue, big time performance from Gruthis. That's the male player. Did not even mention his sending the opposing female player to the hospital. Quote, Swampscott led at the break thanks to a goal from Northeastern Conference All-Star Sawyer Gruthis. The Big Blue had a corner on the ball, was loose in front of the goal. Gruthis was quickest to react and poked it home for the early cushion. In the second half, it was Gruthis, again, finding the back of the net and sealing the game. So here you got this guy who identifies as a girl so he can play against girls, sends one to the hospital, and the media ignore that at least one local outlet and instead write an article just you know praising this player it's just been so amazing the federalist notes you'd like to believe that a girl screaming out in agony and being hospitalized after getting a ball to the face would warrant at least a brief mention if not a paragraph especially when considering that the item live write-up of the game about Gruthis was about him and his performance. But at the end of the day, many local media outlets are just as bad at their jobs as the national counterparts. It doesn't matter that the aforementioned female athlete got knocked out of a state tournament 
game because a male decided he wanted to impose his will on women's athletics. All that matters is advancing the leftist agenda no matter what. This, again, is all possible because of the, quote, party of women, that being the Democrat Party. Last week, the... I guess it's the national, I'm not sure exactly the organization, but dealing with female um, jujitsu, there were, they were dealing with a very problematic situation because there were a lot of men that were claiming to be women in order to compete against other women. And what the institution was learning is that there were a number of women that for their own safety were just dropping out. So here you had the sport of jujitsu in which women were removing themselves because they were told they had to compete against men, all, of course, in the name of you know, the party of women. And last week, the, the I don't know, national or international um, authority over jiu-jitsu, women's jiu-jitsu, said that, no, it's women only now. So at, at least we do get these glimmers of hope that there are still some organizations out there that do believe in treating women equally, and that is allowing them the protection of assembling with one another when it comes to playing sports. Springfield's Talk 1041. I'm Nick Reed. I have heard there's a recall of chicken nuggets because there may be some metal in them. No, no one's suffered any sort of real injuries or anything, but it's being proactive. You get the FDA, the government jumping in. And then I saw this story also, Associated Press, more fruit pouches for kids being recalled because of illnesses linked to lead. And nothing appears to be serious at this point, but the U.S. Food and Drug Administration said Friday it received reports of seven kids feeling ill in five states possibly linked to contaminated puree. The two companies, uh, Schnucks Markets of St. Louis and Weiss Markets of Sunbury, Pennsylvania, announced recalls of certain cinnamon applesauce products because they may contain high levels of lead. So they're pulling all this stuff off the shelves. Of course, it's all governments in, hey, if you've got this stuff, get it, get rid of it. Don't feed it to your kids because there have been seven kids that get got sick that may have a link to what might be contaminated. And I would once again note the difference in approach by the government of something like this, where seven kids may have gotten sick because of potential contamination versus kids that get seizures because of COVID vaccines or uh, teen boys that have their hearts stop or the new study that came out last week showing an increase in stroke risk for males. But all when that comes out now, don't worry, though. Don't change what you're doing. Keep getting the vaccines. Isn't it remarkable how different the approach is? Last check of the traffic for the day. I'm Nick Reed. First alert forecast. Uh, All right, from Color 10, Fox 49 meteorologist Tom Schmidt. Pretty straightforward stuff. Sunny 77 today, partly cloudy 58 tonight. Tomorrow, sunny with a high of 80. That is weather for Garthageddon.
That's what I. That's what I. That's what I'm terming what is occurring this morning at Bass Pro as it was announced. I guess last night, or I don't know when it was announced. I, I saw it this morning. I think it was over the weekend that they uh, announced yeah, okay, it. That, now, a listener, for those of you who are interested in going out there, a listener was just out there actually, and they said that they're going to be having him, like I don't know, at like a table or a tent, kind of over. Whenever you go through the main doors, there's that reception area okay, right as you right, walk in. Right. You take yep. a right okay. where all of the boats, boats are inside. Right, yep. yep. So that's kind of the area. Okay. And We're talking about Garth Brooks, if you missed yes, it. Yes. He's, he's so, going to be there this morning. Yes. And I believe it's going to start at nine. And uh, I think that he said there was probably anywhere from 50 to 100 people already there. So not over the top crazy, but. Well, Yeah. I would I know. have thought at this point, Garth Eggedon should we'll bring see. more. We'll see. It's only eight thirty-four in the morning, so That's true. Did they? It, was there a time frame? I know it said nine a.m. So I wonder. I honestly, have not a clue. Jason Rimo over in the newsroom. He was asking me. He's like, "Do you okay. know how long he's going to be there?" I have not. Yeah, clue. I, ha- I haven't seen it posted anywhere in actual time frame. So I don't know. Maybe they'll have like a truck that has a boat attached to the back, and he just kind of goes through the crowd waving. And then he leaves. Drive it around? Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. That seems kind of I think it should be lowered from above. Maybe. Or come up through the floor, something dramatic. Yeah. Maybe he's in like a scuba outfit and he comes through one of the- Wrestling that alligator that's right there. (laughs) Maybe he should do that. Maybe. That would be worth seeing. We we want a lot. Yeah. We want a lot. Garth Ageddon, man. Garth Ageddon, 2023. Yes. So, <laughs> switching topics here. Thanksgiving uh, is going to be here before you know it. And if you are planning some type of travel and you are needing to do a rental car to get from point A to point B, I want to recommend my friends over at Avis, the car rental company. And while you are there, I recommend that you check out their long-term rental program. Now, the long-term rental program, I mentioned it is great if you are looking to purchase a vehicle uh, in the next couple of months and you want to make sure that you are picking the right vehicle uh, for you and your family before you actually make that commitment. Uh, it's also really great if you are a person who likes to lease your vehicles and you're wanting a little bit more flexibility. Now, with the long-term rental program, um, you don't have any trips to the DMV. You don't have to worry about vehicle maintenance. And the best part is if you get into a vehicle and you realize, oh, it doesn't have enough space, or maybe you're wanting to switch as we move into uh, winter weather, you can do that every couple of months if you wish to do so. Now, if you if you want more information on the long-term rental program, you can swing by the Avis store. It's located off of Fort and Sunshine, far enough away from Bass Pro. Uh, you can speak to Lauren. And of course, you can find all of their contact information housed under the Sarah's Endorsements tab at KSGF.com. We are th- uh, third, maybe fourth year in a row, going to be doing the show us your best shot. This is where you go to KSGF.com and submit photos of... Uh, um, your hunting successes. They don't have to be from this season. Uh, if you have videos as well, you can submit those. And uh, uh, Brad Pistol and Safe Money Radio sponsoring it. And tomorrow I've got a whole listing of the of different items in this prize package that he has put together. Uh, it is, there's a lot. Um, whomever wins this is going to be very, very, very pleased. And he evidently, I, I did not know, I don't really, I've, he's, I've met Brad Pistol. He's been on the morning show a couple of different times, uh, but I was told he's very avid in, in hunting. So he sort of handpicked items that he knew that uh, people who hunt would really appreciate and be excited about. And so we'll, uh, in fact, I think Houston emailed that he actually maybe has it up on our website now. 
I believe I think, so. Yeah, I think I it is on didn't there. didn't read the full email yet. Uh, okay, uh, but if not, then tomorrow we'll have that entire listing for you, and we'll, we'll talk about it a bit. It isn't, the winner isn't whomever submits the most or the most impressive. Your submission is an entry. And then of those entries, one will be uh, drawn in order to win uh, that prize pack from Brad Pistol and Safe Money Radio. So that's at ksgf.com. I wanted to play audio for you because it is, it's regarding the left-wing anti-Semitism that we have seen so prevalent on university campuses. And when this was popping up, there was a great deal of being taken aback. People, like, they just could not believe this. What, what is going on? Why is there amongst Democrat activists and left-wing students on college campuses such anti-Semitism that not only are they not ashamed of, but they are... You can tell they're virtuous in it. And I expressed that I was not shocked at all. This was just an opportunity for them to be louder and prouder about a belief system that has been instilled in them on the university campuses. When you teach hate, you get hate. When you teach division, you get division. I noted at the time it's one of the reasons that so many of us have grave concerns about those who have been attempting to push this ideology within the school district in Springfield and the whole deal with busing kids of colors over to MSU and, and falsely telling them that all of those kids had, you know, that, that you all had been subject to, uh, based on your own words, uh, racism, and it's just divide, 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 and create an atmosphere in which certain groupings of people feel that other groupings of people are privileged and are the enemy, and it creates conflict. And inevitably, you, with at least certain segments of that population, that's how they will view everything. When you start them in school, some school districts as young as kindergarten, where they start talking about white privilege. And then in the universities, make it virtuous. Anti-Semitism, to the level and extent that we are seeing it, should not be a surprise whatsoever. And I wanted to share this audio. This was uh, um, some, it seemed like somewhat of an informal interview that was posted on uh, Fox News with a Cornell University professor who has worked at the Ivy League institution for 35 years. And in it, he was asked about his thoughts on seeing all of this anti-Semitism when so many others are talking about how shocked they are. And he explains that he's not shocked at all. And he talks about why. I'm Randy Wayne. I'm a plant, uh, plant cell biologist. I've been here about 35 years. I'm not shocked because this is what we're producing. This is our telos of social justice. This is our telos of separating people by identity. The students will tell you um, when they meet somebody, they have the victimhood Olympics. Let's see who's the most oppressed, <laughs> you know, and just get your um, privilege really that way. 
people are so afraid of being canceled one way or the other that there's not enough speaking to understand each other. And, you know, God forbid you make a mistake. <laughs> you know, there's the bias response team that will um, go after you for misusing pronouns. There, there may be people that want Western civilization to perish, to recreate the world in their utopian image. Um, and as Thomas Sowell says, I mean, the utopian image sounds wonderful. Just the th that facts get in the way of <laughs> showing that it's possible. And, um, you know, so th there's a whole lot of people and me when I was in college that looked towards, um, say, a more socialized world. And um, I think back of the arguments I had with my father when I was in college, and I just wish I could tell him now, Dad, you were right on everything. Um, that um, okay, so so the social justice just um, it causes chaos. It starts with words that have no meaning, and nobody can talk with that. Every semester, I ask my students how um, how freely they feel that they can speak. And it kept going down and down and down until last semester it came up. And that was because everybody decided they have to tribalize <laughs> and only hang out with people that are like them. So the whole social justice thing causes um, people to live in bubbles and not speak <laughs> with words that may cancel them. And that's really a hell. Combine that with what Jonathan Haidt and Greg Lukianoff talk about the, in the coddling of the American mind, and you have just like I said, you have, I, I, I'm not surprised what happened to Ammon. I um, can't say why it was so violent, but essentially what was going on in his head was a, a magnification of what's going on in everybody's head. <laughs> so I think the university has no business <laughs> being in social justice activism, because it's not the search for truth. It minimizes truth. It mocks truth. Um, so I think the university really has to re-examine its telos. President Pollock's wrong. She can't defend that, you can, that DEI and free speech can coexist. So that is, again, 35 years uh, university scientist professor at, at Cornell who remarked that this anti-Semitism is in no way, shape, or form a surprise. And it's not so much because of the embedded anti-Semitism itself, but it is the diversity, uh, inclusion, equity, the critical race theory stuff that's all built upon putting people in silos and ranking people in terms of victimhood, where you are either a good guy or you're a bad guy. When we exposed the materials, the divisive racist materials that were part of the uh, the instruction that uh, Springfield Public School uh, employees were forced to go through a few years ago, there is literally, a, a, I mean, a list of people that are bad via privileged or oppressors. White Christians were in there. People who believed blue lives matter were in there. It was exactly what he's talking about. You cannot take people 
and tell them this is the category you're in and here's where you are on the hierarchy of victim or oppressor and then be shocked when they turn against each other. This is why to go back to it and it's because, you know, it's one example of the culture that some are continuing to attempt to foster in the Springfield School District. It was so, so damaging. What was done with those students of color that were shipped to MSU, all told to close their eyes and raise their hands if they've ever been a victim of racism, and when one out of only five raised their hand, they were told to open their eyes, and they were lied to and told that they all raised their hands as a way to make sure they understood how bad they have it. Nothing good can come from that. And then, of course, when it was exposed, the person who exposed the divisive lie was piled on and attacked by the establishment. The natural progression of things. When you put people in a hierarchy of victims and oppressors is nasty divisions. When it all comes down to it, the critical race theory or the diversity, equity, and inclusion, these efforts that we're told are so wonderful. For those, that, and there are those who their purpose is to divide and conquer us. But I think that there are those that are well-meaning and they get sucked into this idea that this is somehow beneficial. Ask yourself this, where has it proved, proven to be beneficial? Where have you seen the implementation of such policies in which people get along better instead of worse? Where have you seen these policies put into place and people began to you know, evaluate one another based on who they actually are as opposed to what their skin color is or their economic status is or their religious background is. It doesn't bring peace. The longer these divisive policies based off of disinformation are in place, the worse interpersonal relations become. And so for those who support these sort of ideas because you genuinely believe that somehow it's virtuous, look at the destruction it brings about. By the way, here's an interesting little history lesson for all of us in the context of the, the CRT and DEI and so forth. Charles Manson, his plan all along was essentially that. The, the char, and this would come out in, in his trial, in the trial of his followers. <clears throat> the killings that took place and the writing of pig on the wall and blood and so forth, the whole plan here was he, what he, the way his mind saw it playing out. Was to, it was to create a race war. 
His plan was for black people to be accused of those crimes. And for it to appear as if they were mocking police, which is why pig was written on the wall in blood. And that it it would lead to a race war. His plan was to pit black people against law enforcement. And in his mind, you would have a number of white people that would side with the black side opposed to, to law enforcement. And that would eventually result in these massive race wars. Now, in his mind, what would occur is he believed that the black people would win and then they would need a leader and he would become their leader. That was sort of his in his twisted, psychotic mind, his pathway to ultimate authority over all. The way to get there, though, in his mind, was to pit people against one another based on race. Which is really no different than what we see happening today. It's just done with education degrees and fancy titles today. Instead of the way that Charles Manson carried out his plot. Doesn't make it any more right. Springfield's Talk 1041. I'm Nick Reed. Terrorist organization Hamas has been, as usual, effective in undermining Israel's defense of itself by getting people to call for a ceasefire, which is essentially a regroup, replan by the terrorist organization and a funding of the terrorist organization. You know, they call for the international community, of course, you know. Uh, funding and supplies and oh we have to have fuel they have crap tons of fuel but they're not as usual they keep the stuff for themselves and use it in order to promote their terrorism and this is such a an old tactic but why not use it if it works over and over again you carry out your attack you hide among civilians and then you call for a ceasefire so that you can regroup and you get people like Joe Biden and you get the Democrat and the media. And here's a, you know, there's an article here. Uh, Springfield organizations condemn continued uh, violence in Gaza call for ceasefire. And this is um, the Islamic center of Springfield a ceasefire all in the name of humanitarianism. Oh, really? Making a move that is the, the who's who's leading the call for this? The terrorists. Giving the terrorist exactly what they want is not a step in the direction of humanitarianism. And, and to watch this play out time and time again is exhausting. There were... Tons of people protesting outside the White House, all sorts of violence. Um, according to Fox News, the number tens of thousands of protesters demonstrating throughout Washington, D.C., largely you know, promoting Hamas. If you've seen any of the footage, the gates, they were, if they had, I don't know if they could have if they wanted to, but they were pushing the gate. They were trying to break through the gates of the White House. And they vandalized it. All sorts of anti-Semitic graffiti on several buildings along the protesters' path. 
As of the writing of this story, one arrest was made. One arrest. One. People calling for the elimination of the Jewish people, vandalizing the White House, attempting to break through the gates of the White House, one arrested. Think about that for a moment when you recognize that this is an administration that is still doing everything they can to track down people that were outside the Capitol on January 6th, continuing to try and convince us all that those are the real threats in this country. It's priorities, folks. Bill Maher over the weekend, noting that all of the lefties out there who accused Trump of praising the tiki torch carrying anti-Semites in Charlottesville, which of course he did not do, but he noted that they're the same ones that are carrying the tiki torches now. <laughs> and it's so true. I use, I've used Kanye West as an example. How uh, I, I guess his timing was just off. I love this headline. Dem, Democrat Representative Phillips, quote, it's very difficult to be a Jew in the Democratic caucus. There's seemingly a lack of progressive love. Oh, really? yeah, I bet it probably is. Talk about the understatement of the year. It's kind of difficult to be a Jew in the Democratic caucus. Yeah? Yeah? Uh-huh. I imagine so. Glenn Beck's coming up next. Talk to you tomorrow. I'm Nick Reed. Tomorrow.